I don't want to take too much time. I just want to say how much I appreciate the Backlands, and they've had an impact on my life before they even knew I existed on this planet. You know, a couple of years, the Lord encouraged me about declarations. It was something I learned when I was a young Christian after I got saved through the pastor that led me to the Lord. I'm just making declarations of confessing what the Word says about you. And I used to do that quite often, and then I got away from that for many, many years. And the Lord was putting on my heart, you need to, I want you to make declarations again. And so I was thinking about it. You know how the Lord tells you something, and you kind of, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. Well, then uh, I remember when I was in Bethel and, the, and I, at one of the bookstores, one of the resource tables, they had a book called Declarations. Some of you might have heard of that book before. <laughs> and I saw that book and I was reading the back of it and I thought, wow, this looks pretty good. And I remember what the Lord encouraged me about making declarations and I thought, wow, this would be pretty good. You know, but I didn't do anything with it then. And later on, um, a little while later, my son called me, Joseph. It was close to my birthday and he said, hey, Dad, uh, your birthday's coming up. Is there any book that you're wanting? Because he, you know, he lived in Bethel, lived at Reading. So I said, actually, there is. There's a book called Declarations. He goes, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. So for my birthday, he sent it to me. And I read the book, and it's amazing. And you guys, have, many of you have read that book called Declarations. It's so funny. I was promoting that book so much, someone in our church thought I actually wrote it. <laughs> and I think he wanted me to sign it or something. And, and Steve said, you should have signed it. You know, I should have. You know. But anyway, that book has, has um, just done so much in my life and impacted not only me, but my family and, and then wonderful things. And, and now part of the assignment that we're on now as a church has a lot to do with that, a lot of declarations and, and all that kind of thing. And, but it was because of the ministry that these people have allowed the Lord to do in their lives. And it's impacting people that they don't even know. And I'm just so excited and so grateful. And I believe that your life is going to be impacted not only tonight, but tomorrow night. As we open our hearts and we receive what the Lord is wanting to not only say, but do in our lives through his son and daughter here. So I would just like us uh, as Stillwater community to welcome Stephen Wendy Backlund. All right. Wow. It's good to be here. Yes. What'd you think of that worship, Wendy? I loved it. Oh my goodness! Why? Why'd you like it so much? Well, the only thing I didn't like was it was a little short. Haha! <laughs> <laughs> That's always. Sometimes when they have speakers, you know, they they don't want to give us time. We appreciate that, but wow, 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 wow! That was so anointed. And is Caleb and Taylor around? Still around? Yeah. That song, that number two song. You guys wrote that was amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're. Uh, you're in. I hear you, both of you are in training for something bigger than you know. That's what I hear. In training for something bigger than you know. So thank you. And just um, it's a uh, Johnny and Heather. Love what you're doing. We bless it. How needed that is to bring a healing for sexual brokenness. And, and, and I'm hearing over you, the two of you, there's just a, there's a fresh anointing on you, a fresh anointing, a, a gift of faith for breakthrough and healing. And we just uh, say run, run with the assignment God's given you. 
Well, 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 we, we, it's so good to meet CJ and, and Lisa. And if you're from this house, I want to let you know something. You have an enthusiastic pastor couple there. I mean, I, we, we travel a lot and, you know, we hang out with a lot of leaders and there's few I've met who are as excited as these guys. That's the truth. That's really true. You know, I mean, they, they, we were talking today about the Tigger anointing. <laughs> and they, you know, I think I'm going to take a picture of you, CJ, <laughs> you know, and, and say, Tigger anointing and your picture will be there. <laughs> I used to, as a leader, I used to have the Eeyore anointing. <laughs> oh, don't get your hopes up. You'll just be disappointed. Things are only going to get worse. <laughs> we were the last couple, I think, that should have been chosen for a joy and hope message, which is what we deliver all over the world because God captured us. Because we were so joy impaired for most of our Christian life. <laughs> And then God just got a hold of us and started talking to us about joy and hope. And it, it so transformed us. It was like, oh, we have to tell other leaders that you don't have to be depressed to lead. You, know? <laughs> you don't have to be uptight. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And, and, you know, the amazing thing is, is that we discovered not many people like to follow depressed leaders. <laughs> I, I don't know why. You know, yeah, we want what you have. <laughs> it's a gospel of good news. We travel about half the year and probably end up in about 80 different ministries a year. And we, we've become spiritual wine connoisseurs. Mm-hmm. Come into a ministry. Mm. This is a unique vintage. <laughs> mm. and, and mmm, this is pretty powerful, too. Wow. And I love, I love to taste and see what's in the ministry. Because, you know, we, we get to bring things. And that's such an honor for us to be able to influence people. But we also get to receive everywhere we go. You know, I, I just, uh, whatever, whatever you honor, you receive the gift from that. And, and I always like to honor what God's doing. Wherever I'm at, or in a person, and I mean, just wow, just even tasting and seeing in the last 45 minutes, this is a house of presence, a house of freedom, a house of hope, um, a a house of restoration, a house of freeing people who have been uh, bound in religion. Uh, it's a it's a, a leader. It's a leadership. Uh, it's a leadership incubator, and it's a forward-moving momentum releaser. That, that's just what I tasted. Just, just, I taste a little more. I like that. Man, I, w- I want more of that in my life. And so we're thankful, because that doesn't happen automatically. That, that happens with a leadership team and a group of committed people who <clears throat> say, we're going after it. 
and have reported for duty and have said yes. Yes to the Lord. And I love that. It's also, this is a, this is a house of, that influences young people. Man, love all the young people who are here. And I'm just believing that, that there's going to be uh, just for every, who's here 21 and under? Just raise your hand. Just go to see how many. Yeah, just, a, a, just such a great percentage are here. And, and that's also unusual. I mean, you know, it's, um, I mean, if you're here on a Wednesday night meeting, you're either serious about God or somebody serious brought you. <laughs> I mean, amen. amen. You're not here to get a check mark after your name to say, I'm a good Christian. Yes, amen. Uh, no, you're here because you're hungry. You, you heard a sound. And you, you, you just, you know that, that God is, he, he's got, great things for you. He's got great things for this city. He's got great things for this state. He, he's got great things for this nation and the world. And, and God's answer is always a person. God, do something! And he always sends. He always calls somebody. And he always calls people who don't think they're qualified. Ha ha. Ha He always calls us beyond what we think we can do and what we think we're worthy to do. Yeah, that's the way he is. Moses said, can't be me. I can't talk well. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha. Can't be me. And so we say, thank you, Father. Why don't you just repeat this after me? Say, God brought me here tonight because he believes in me. More than I believe in myself. He's preparing me for something bigger than I know. Something's happening in me tonight. It's a turning point night. And I'll never be the same again. Amen. I love to get people to say things. <laughs> I know. I, I, I know that that somebody else likes to get people to say things as well. And because if I can get people to say something, it gives God something to work with. In John two, Jesus didn't create wine for the wedding out of thin air. Poof. There's more wine. (laughs) No, he said, Hey, um, give me those pots, put some water in it. Give me something to work with. There's going to be a miracle. By the way, you're even being in this meeting is giving God something to work with. I mean, your being in this meeting dramatically increases the likelihood of breakthrough in your life. The percentage, the percentages just went up. So I like to, I like to have people say things. We were, we were in a, a meeting in Manchester, England a few years ago, and I, I had them say repeatedly, I'll never be the same again. And there was a, a woman who was one of the worship show the worship team. She was a leader and she, she was battling depression. And she said, um, she wrote me an email a couple of years later telling me her story. And she said, when you had to say, I'll never be the same again. I said to myself, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. How many of you know our fear of being disappointed again can at times become greater than vision for our future? 
And so we want to protect ourselves from being disappointed. So we're not going to say anything to get our hopes up. Well, she said, you kept having us say it. And she said, I finally said it. And you know what? I was never the same again after that meeting. Someone say, wow. 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 Yes. Yeah. I think my favorite declaration testimony was in Texas. And we had done a morning Sunday service. And before the evening service, some of the youth decided to go to a friend's house from the public school that they knew and see if he would come to church with him because he was unsaved. And so they did. But what they didn't know was that he had actually planned on committing suicide that night. But he thought, I'll go to church with him first. Great decision. And uh, so we stood up to speak. And instead of just doing a quick, you know, couple declarations, my husband went on and on and (laughs) on and on. And I mean, I cannot tell you how many declarations he was having everybody say. And this is before I met CJ. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I was thinking in my mind, what is he doing? We have a message to give, and he's just on this rampage. And what we didn't know till after the service, because the pastor told us, he said he was watching this unsaved young man who was into the whole goth thing, you know, the chains and the black eyes and lips. And uh, he was sitting in the front row with the rest of the youth, and the pastor was watching him because he knew he was unsaved. And he said at first... The guy just had his head down, but then he saw his lips begin to speak. And he said, after a few declarations of speaking, his head came up. And he said he actually saw a change on his countenance because most of the declarations were identity statements about being unconditionally loved and valuable and worthy. And he ended up getting saved that night. Yes, thank you, Lord. Simply because he put words in his mouth. To, that counterdicted the lies in his head. And then one of the most amazing things, you know how God loves to just kind of put cherries on top. You know, he, he's like, that was good, but watch this. And we had a fire tunnel after the service, and this young man, after he got saved, he went through like, I don't know, seven or eight times. But at the last time he went through, he looked down at his arms, and he had been cutting himself, and so he had a lot of scars. He looked down at his arms, and every scar had disappeared. Yeah. Wow. That's redemption. <laughs> Woo. That's a good testimony. We're going to start tonight out of Mark 2.22. And this is Jesus's talking about wineskins. And and he makes this statement. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put in what? In new wineskins. Now, John the Baptist, he came, uh, he prepared the way for Jesus and preached the message of repentance. And one of the best definitions of repentance is to change the way you think. We, we believe that the Lord's given Wendy and I a John the Baptist anointing 
to help prepare the way and help change the wineskin that we have so that we can embrace the new thing that God's going to do in our lives. The moment we cry out, more, Lord, I want more of you, we're getting set up for wineskin upgrade. Because God in his mercy doesn't want to give us the new with the old way of thinking. Because the old way of thinking can't contain the new thing he wants to do. Now, they did a study on million-dollar lottery winners many years ago in Canada, and they found out that after 20 years, a great percentage of those who had won the lottery after 20 years were back in the same economic state or worse than they were before they won the lottery. And, and, And for many of them, the new line of more finances actually blew up their lives because the wineskin was not able to contain what, what the Lord, what was, actually, what the, was brought to them. And so much of the new, and the, the Lord's doing a new thing. He's pouring out more of his Holy Spirit. We want more of that. We want more favor so we can influence the world. We want more power so that we can see miracles and we can become the miracle uh, in, in people's lives. And we, we love to just upgrade people's thinking. Because once our thinking gets upgraded, then we're able to uh, be prepared and be able to contain the new thing that God's going to do in our lives. Yeah, repentance in the Greek actually means change the way you think. And um, for us, we, we spend a lot of time in Romans 12, 1, which is, you know, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And, but I was really frustrated because no matter how much I sacrificed, no matter how much I gave to God, you know, of my time, my dreams, everything, I didn't feel like I was changing on the inside. It was just continued to be hard work and trying, you know, to be something I didn't think I was. And so one day I was just crying out to God and saying, God, you know, if you really had all my heart, I wouldn't have all these issues in my life. I would just, you know, I'd I'd be a great Christian. So I was like, I give you my heart. I give you my heart. You know, evidently I can't give it to you. Will you take my heart? And he just interrupted me and he said, Wendy, I've got your heart. Now I need your mind. And he took Steve and I into Romans 12, 2, which talks about be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we realized you can't be transformed through sacrifice. We still believe in sacrifice, but it doesn't transform you. Transformation comes by believing something different than you've thought before. So part of the, the new wine to receive it, we actually have to believe something different because yep. usually it's not him trying to hold stuff back as much as it is, is we don't have a container for it. Wow. Say that again. It's usually not him trying to withhold that wine. It's we don't have a container for it. And so the whole renewing of the mind and believing that God actually wants us to live at a level that we think is totally impossible. 
He wants to mm. transform us so much that we won't recognize ourselves. And stop waiting until you think you, you're qualified. I tried that for 20 years and nothing happened. And finally, I started believing I was qualified, and whoa, things started happening. It was all in changing what I believed. We grew up on the north coast of California near Eureka in Redwood Tree Country. <laughs> Somebody likes that. Ha <laughs> <laughs> And we didn't know the Lord as um, teenagers. We met. I was 18. She was 17. Started going out together. And then we became hippies. I actually had hair. <laughs> yeah, I tried, I, I tried this. I tried that. I tried the other things hippies do. Eastern religion, transcendental meditation, all kinds of other things. And then I met Jesus and found out there's no high like the most high. No high like the most high. And get saved, start going to an Assembly of God church, North Coast of California in a city called Fortuna. And they, they gave altar calls pretty much every Sunday to give your heart to Jesus. My belief system at that time was if I didn't feel saved when I came to church, I didn't think I was saved. So if they gave an altar call on a Sunday when I didn't feel saved or had a bad week that was telling me that I wasn't saved, I went up and got saved again just to be sure. <laughs> then the Lord said, Steve, I've got good news for you. <laughs> you are saved even when you don't feel saved. I said, what? That's amazing. I, said, I thought feelings were the highest indicator of truth there is. By the way, let's laugh at that. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh-huh. He said, no. And I mean, they give altar calls. Like, you know, I'd come in after that. They'd come in on, uh, you know, I'd come in. I didn't feel saved. And, and, and I just wanted to go down so bad. <laughs> and Lord said, don't go down there. <laughs> don't go down there. Because I'm teaching you something. And really, and, and even as we go, we'll fast forward in a moment. He, he, that last, he said, I'm teaching you something. I'm teaching you not to get your beliefs out of your feelings or your past experience. I'm teaching you how to get your beliefs out of what I say. And how many of you know, I mean, that's a great lesson. How many of you know uh, you're anointed even when you don't feel anointed? If you know Jesus, doesn't matter. You, know, you may not feel anointed, but we're always anointed. How many of you know you're righteous even when you don't feel righteous? How many of you know you have a sound mind, whether you feel like you have a sound mind or not? Mm-hmm. Thank you for the hearty amen on that. You know, you get to think about that one for a while. No, it's the reality of what truth is. And so we're there for that first 15 years of our Christian life. And Winnie's already said, we lived in Romans 12.1 of giving our bodies, our life, our will, our heart as a living sacrifice. And let me tell you, as hippies, we had a lot to give him. We had a lot to surrender. And, and, I mean, we had to learn how to do a relationship God's way. It, it was really a season to learn how to do things God's way, not my way. Uh, how, to, how to treat people God's way. How to do honesty and integrity God's way. Foundational. And, and, and it was also a season of surrendering our hearts to God's purpose. 
Isaiah in Isaiah 6, he, he was in this vision and throne room encounter, and he hears a voice. Who will go for me? Who will go for me? And Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. And I remember so many times, you know, just crying out, said, Lord, here am I. Whatever you need, I give you, I, I lay my dreams down. I lay everything down for you. And, and how many know that's important? I mean, even the message you're going to hear tonight and tomorrow night without that foundation, it, it, can, it might get a little weird because we're, we're, we're going we're to teach you some things about how to bring breakthrough in your life. But, but the foundation of that is a foundation of surrendering our heart. So in, in 1991, Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> Anybody ever met Jehovah Sneaky? Yeah. He, how many know God's not always logical? I mean, he, he sometimes, he likes to bypass the brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it, it's called faith. <laughs> called faith. And so, 1991, we were on staff at that church, at the Assembly of God Church, that same one for 13 years. 1991, we, were, we go out and be senior pastors. This is a Jehovah Sneaky moment. He sent us to pastor a church in the middle of the desert in Nevada, in a... In a a, a, a town called Round Mountain. Let, let's laugh at that, by the way. <laughs> Round Mountain. It's four hours from Reno, four hours from Vegas. You have a map. You put your, your finger in the middle of the state of Nevada. That's where we were. Uh, 2,500 people in a radius of 40 miles. That's what we call rural. Ha, <laughs> ha. Actually, to give you a good idea, there's actually a highway that runs east and west through the state of Nevada, and when you're on it, it will say, loneliest road in America. And we were an hour off that. (laughs) There's a gold mine there. Again, the church was small, but we knew that we knew that we knew we were supposed to be there. It wasn't logical, but we had a word from God. We spent 10 years there. Then we passed in a place called Weaverville, California. Some of you know Bill Johnson, senior leader at Bethel Church. He pastored there. And then we came on staff at Bethel Church Reading in 2008. But it was in, in Nevada in the 90s that we got transformed. And by the way, we, I, I said we knew that we knew. I'm hearing that the Lord is, um, is breaking off double-mindedness in people's thinking concerning their assignment. I'm hearing assignments are being clarified, and there's actually that that purpose over people tonight is being released. I'm I'm hearing that people are actually going to get purpose at at a level you haven't had ever or for a long time. So thank you, Lord, for that. So we already said, I mean, God likes to, I mean, God loves to send people to desert to teach him how to repent. And he sent us out there to change the way we think. So that, that's, as we look back on it, that's it. You, you, I love you've given us your heart, Stephen, Wendy, but now we want you to give it. We have to surrender. You have to surrender what you believe. And we found this out, that on one level, it's easier to surrender your heart and your will than it is your beliefs. Beliefs are called strongholds. How many of you know why they're called strongholds? Because they have a stronghold. They don't want to go. And, and as we'll find out, the greatest things, the greatest strongholds blocking the purposes of God 
are not regional demonic principalities. They're, they're thinking in the minds of believers. And so we're there. I mean, he said, I want you to surrender your beliefs. And it, it could be as simple as surrendering the belief. The Lord says, Steve, I want you to surrender the belief that you are a disorganized person. But Lord, I am and I feel disorganized. It's got to be true. Ha ha. No, he says, that's not true. That, that, that's what your feelings are saying, your experience are saying, but it's not truth. It's true for you, but it's not truth. So I want you to surrender the belief that this area is hard for the gospel. But Lord, it feels so hard. Man, oh man, it feels hard. Ha uh-huh. No, I want you to surrender that belief. And he showed John 8, 32, where it says, actually 31 and 32, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, here's what happens. Every area of our life where we believe truth in, we get free. First, we get free on the inside, then we get free in our circumstances. Every area of our life where we believe lies in, we're not free. We get saved because we believe in Jesus. We get free because we believe like Jesus. We get saved because we believe in Jesus. We'll get free and see transformation because we believe like Jesus. Yeah, I think the key is to recognize that a lot of the things that we think are true aren't really true. You know, when he started telling me who I was in, you know, my born-again state, I kept arguing with him. You know, it was like, but God, I'm shy, I'm timid, I can't speak well in front of people. And I had all these things why I couldn't be who he said I was. And finally, he just said, you know, when did that that's not who you are. That's who you've become. Whoa. And there's a big difference between what you've become and who you really are. And he started challenging me and said, can you sacrifice the belief that you're shy? Can you sacrifice the belief that you can't speak in front of people? which was hard because it wasn't just a belief. I actually had proof. (laughs) And you had feelings. (laughs) I had actually failed at speaking in front of people. I failed really well to the point where when I was done failing, I sat down and said, I will never speak in public again. God's got a sense of humor. But my point is, is that the lie in my life that I was shy and couldn't speak in front of people restricted me from my destiny. Because anything that restricts you from what God said you can do is a lie. Because the truth will set you free. You'll be able to do what God said you can do. And there's that sense of empowerment again where lies keep you all bound up and restricted. 
You feel like you can't do anything. You're just a victim everywhere you look. And so there was this whole uh, journey that God began to just really talk to us about the belief systems that we had. And, you know, personally, I'd been a Christian for 15 years or more, and I thought I believed everything the Bible said. Until one day God said, Wendy, do you believe I'm going to meet all your needs? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, Scripture <laughs> says so. You know, I, I quoted Scripture at him, just in case he didn't know. <laughs> and he just gently said, well, why are you worried then? And I'm like, uh, do my emotions have to believe it? And he said, that's how you'll know you believe it, is when your emotions line up with it, even in the face of opposition. That, it was just mind-blowing. And that's when I started studying about the brain because I really believe God created us for faith. And mm. he started talking to me about how our brain has a conscious thinking part of us and a subconscious thinking part. And I thought it was enough to believe in the consciousness of my mind. And he said... Your conscious thoughts do not drive you. Your subconscious beliefs do. And he said, if you don't change the spirit of your mind, you'll always end up where you've always been. And that's why we're so big on declarations and speaking the word of God and what is true, because faith comes by hearing and hearing. And what it's talking about is getting it from your conscious thinking and belief system to a subconscious belief system that drives you. You don't even have to think twice. You just know it's true. And so I began to reread the word and realize, okay, I have to make every promise personal. I have to get it from this to the, the spirit of my mind. And I'm not talking about my spirit, but the subconscious part of my mind so that it's, it's really mine. And that's when our whole lives just, it's crazy. It was almost like scripture was true. Our whole lives were transformed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Literally transformed. I love that when Wendy says, we know we believe a truth when our emotions line up with it in the face of opposition. And, and there's no condemnation if our emotions aren't lining up with something. I mean, all of us in this room, including Winnie and I, are still believing lies about something. And, and yet, that, that is. The, there will be breakthrough in our emotions when there's breakthrough in our beliefs. I just got a quick word. The guy back there in the, is it uh, OSU uh, Orange? Yep, what's your name? Steven. Oh, I like that name. Go Cowboys, by the way. I just got to be aware of where I'm at. <laughs> Stephen, I hear this over you. I, I hear that the Lord's going to speak to you through the book of 1 Samuel. In, in this season of your life, 1 Samuel, especially the first part, but the whole book. And I also am hearing that you're a man, the Holy Spirit has, is anointing to hear him at high levels. 
And I just see your spiritual hearing just like, boom, there's just an upgrade. And, and, you're gonna, and I see you influencing others to hear God through unusual coincidences, impressions. Obviously, the word is the primary way. But we just bless you, Stephen. You're, you're, God, God sees you. He knows your heart. You're important in what he's doing. So we're, we're there in the desert realizing that the real battle in our lives is between lies and truth. And because Wendy and I, we're, we're not devil-focused Christians. We're belief-focused Christians. Now, we don't want to be ignorant about the devil, but we don't talk about the devil very much, but we talk about what we believe all the time. Because if I can believe truth, I get free. And if I'm free, it doesn't sound like the devil's bugging me very much. Just a thought. And even to put on the full armor of God in Ephesians 6, you got to believe something. Those pieces just don't automatically come on, you got to actually believe. I mean, shield of faith. Hmm, that should tell us something. And it says uh, in Ephesians 6 16, it says, Take up the shield of faith. Where you can quench what? Some of the fiery darts? Oh, oh. can you say that, that again? Oh, oh, oh. Hmm. And really, the, the, the fiery darts of the devil, he's the father of all lies. His, his, his really, his only weapon is a lie. Now, I, can say, I, can, I can quench all of them. That makes me happy. And, and so... But when we actually begin to understand that, oh, then, then how do I know if I'm believing a lie? Because the nature of deception is, is that you don't know you're deceived. How many know once you know you're deceived, you're no longer deceived? That's in deception class 101. So I needed an indicator. So I'm reading a book by a man named Francis, Francis Frangipan called The Three Battlegrounds. <laughs> I like you over there. <laughs> Tigger. What's a female Tigger? Um, Tigger. Oh, Tiggerette. Okay. Tiggerette. Tiggerette, yes. Good book, but he said something here that, that changed our lives. Our whole ministry, we have a ministry called Igniting Hope Ministries that uh, is, the, is the basis of, of this. And it, 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 he said this. He said, every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope. Say glisten with hope. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie. And that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie. And that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. Uh, I'm reading, reading the book. I, I close the book after reading that, and I become instantly discouraged. <laughs> Man, I said, wow. And I, uh, I'm trying to find one area of hope. I, mean, I, can't, I didn't even know glistening hope existed. I'm just trying to find one area of normal hope. <laughs> and I can't find it. 
in my life, and then I pray a dumb prayer. Oh, God, would you please show me every lie that I am believing? Uh, I should have prayed, Lord, show me 10% of the lie. <laughs> should have just measured to me just a little bit because uh, it felt like a dump truck backed up to me and dumped on me a revelation that almost everything I believed in my life was a lie, and I was pastoring a church. Ha <laughs> ha. I mean, I had great doctrine, or most of it was great. I've had a few upgrades since then. <laughs> I mean, great doctrine like Jesus is God. I mean, you know, if you don't get that one right, uh, bummer for you. <laughs> um, the, the, the Bible's the final authority on every area of life. I mean, how I many you know that's important? Salvation is by grace through faith alone, not of works. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. That's good doctrine. But how many you know you can have good doctrine and still be a mess? Because we're believing lies. We're believing lies about God. We're believing lies about ourselves. We're believing lies about the people in our life. And we're believing lies about our circumstances. And the Lord basically said, in every area where you don't have great hope, you're believing a lie. I said, well, that's every area. <laughs> but at least I, I began to know what my problem was, because, because up to then, all my spiritual warfare guns were pointed outward. I was rebuking until my rebuker was worn out. <laughs> I was binding everything that moved. <laughs> then the Lord said this. He said, I want you to redirect your greatest spiritual warfare guns at your own beliefs. And I want you to see what happens. I want you to make your personal hopelessness a bigger enemy to you than the devil. I said, wow. And that, that, that was transformational for us. I did kind of debate with God a little bit about the whole thing because, you know, that whole concept that every area that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie because we were in the ministry and we were counseling people. And so I'm like, but God, let's be real. You know, there really are some things that are hopeless. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> or some people who are hopeless and God said, well, Wendy, I'll make you a deal. He said, you have permission to be hopeless about anything I'm hopeless about. <laughs> now, that may sound like a great deal, but he's not called the God of all hope for nothing. He has a way. And so I, I'm talking to him and I'm telling him, but you know, when I counsel people, a lot of times they, they always say, but Wendy, I have to be realistic. And I didn't know what to say to that. I'm like, okay, God, what do I say when they say that? And he said, well, just tell them, no, they don't. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not sure that will go over well. And he said, Tell them I haven't called them to be realistic. I've called them to be supernatural. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's when I realized the only time we're hopeless is when we haven't factored God and the supernatural in. Mm. It, it may look hopeless if you only have faith in the natural. Whoa. But as soon as we attach faith to the supernatural, to a really good God, and every promise is true, hope rises. And so we've just been on this journey of every time, you know, that hopelessness comes in, it's like, okay, there's a lie attached here somewhere. I don't know what it is yet, but I know God's not hopeless. He always has a way. Yes. Someone say, that's a good word, Wendy. Actually, our whole ministry, Igniting Hope Ministries, came out of that quote about glistening hope and because we our mandate is to ignite hope wherever we go there there's no hopeless circumstances there's only hopeless people once people get true hope it becomes an unstoppable force to bring change if something's going to change somebody has to hope some, somebody's got to break out of the pack. It says in Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I believe this, our hope level determines our influence level. Hope is the confident, joyful expectation that good is coming. Hope is the confident joyful expectation that good is coming. God loves to partner with people who are unreasonably optimistic. In the Bible, there are people unreasonably optimistic. Yeah, if it was today, uh, hey, uh, David, uh, before you go after Goliath, we just want to let you know what the experts are saying. <laughs> they're saying uh, you are being unreasonably optimistic. You shouldn't get your hopes up so much. You shouldn't be speaking so much faith. And um, they're saying actually what's going to happen is uh, you're going to get killed. <laughs> hey, Moses, uh, before you ra- raise your rod at the sea. <laughs> Ah, we'd also like to let you know what the experts are saying. They're saying that um, you must be unreasonably optimistic, and when you raise your rod at the sea, nothing is going to happen, and the Egyptians are going to kill you. (laughs) Hey, Ezekiel, before you prophesy... To those very, very dry bones. <laughs> well, I'll let you know what the experts are saying. They're saying you must go to one of those name it and claim it, blab it and grab it churches. <laughs> and they're saying, don't waste your breath. To t- and tell those bones are going to live because that's impossible. 
It's too bad. It's gone too far. No, you know, it's hope. It's like Joshua and Caleb. I mean, in, in, in Numbers 13, you got, wow, Moses, they come out of Egypt. They come to the edge of the promised land. Moses says, hey, 12 of you go spy out the land. Come back, give report. After 40 days, they broke up into two groups of people. One group was the 10 spies. Somebody say, boo. Boo. Why don't you say boo again? Boo. The other group was Joshua and Caleb. Somebody say, yay. Yay. Now, there was a minority, Joshua and Caleb. I mean, it's amazing. They saw, they both saw the same set of circumstances and put a different conclusion on what they saw. The ten spies said, good place. Fruits, powerful. But there's too many ites there. Jebusites, Canaanites, Hittites, even saw the sons of Anak there. It's just God's promises are not big enough to handle that situation. Uh huh. The experts say, don't go in there. Joshua and Caleb said, let us go up at once. We're well able to overcome it. Just say, I'm well able to overcome it. Say it again. Say it louder. (laughs) Now, both those who say they can and those who say they can't are both right. I'm going to say that again. That just just felt good. Both those who say they can and those who say they can't are both right. I mean, the 10 spies were right. They said we can't, even though they were created to be able, their belief system, great big devil, little bitty God, created a reality that caused for 40 years of wandering. And Joshua and Caleb, they were able. So, again, two groups of people saw the exact same set of circumstance and put a different conclusion on what they saw. So the circumstance in itself is not as important as the conclusion we place on it. The circumstance, what's going on in our nation is not as important as the conclusion we place on what's going on in our nation. Yeah, your problem's not your problem. Your perspective is. You know, because it's interesting that the, the 10 spies came back and said, you know, we were like grasshoppers in our sight and in their sight. 
But that's really not true because if you go, if you're really reading scripture, you'll discover that when Joshua and Caleb were at Jericho, Rahab the harlot said, as soon as we heard about you crossing the Red Sea, our hearts were filled with fear. The people were already prepared in fear, but that's not what the 10 spies saw. Wow. They were looking at the circumstance different. And I was meditating on this one day, and I just felt like God said, another part of the problem is is that even though they all knew the promise was, God said, I've given you the land, right? They all knew God had given them the land. And I think one of the biggest problems was is I think they thought, if God's given us the land, why do we have to fight for it? And I was thinking about that, and I thought about the scripture in Ephesians that says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I remember reading that one day, and I thought, oh, it's called a sword because we're supposed to kill something with it. Ha ha. <laughs> and we have all these promises that God has given us, but we're waiting around for God to get rid of the giant that's in our promised land. God, if you've given me healing, surely I'm not going to have to fight for it with the sword. <laughs> and so we just wait. And I, you know, I waited for so many years and saw nothing happen. I was wandering around in that wilderness. He was faithful, just like he was to the children of Israel. You know, I lived from miracle to miracle, and I thought that was pretty spiritual until God said living from miracle to miracle is wilderness living. We're called into abundance. The promised land was a place filled with abundance, with more than enough. But we get satisfied, and we don't want to fight. And, and, you know, that was my whole thing was I, I had to actually realize, oh, there's some giants in my land. God's given this to me, and I will fight to the death. And even if I don't get to inherit it, my children will or my children's children will. Powerful. We can't just sit around and wait for the promise. We have to take up the sword and really change what we believe because I discovered you won't fight for what you don't really believe is yours. If you don't really believe it's yours, you'll just kind of let it slide. If I told you I bought you a house and you went to that house to take possession of it and someone else lived there and said, ugh, she must be wrong because we're living here and this is our house. Most of us would just kind of back off and, okay, you know, Wendy must have lied or something. But if I gave you the deed to the house, mm. you would be going to the police station <laughs> and fighting with that deed. And you wouldn't let them keep what you know is yours. And so that's where the transformation comes is once I'm convinced it's mine, I'm not going to settle for anything less. So hope is, 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 is a big deal. 
we got transformed by realizing that our lack of hope was the problem. And Romans 15, 13 says, now may the God of hope fill you. Anybody want to get filled by the God of hope? What do you think might happen if you get filled by the God of hope? <laughs> think you might get a little more hope? Yep. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. All, all joy and peace hang out with hope. By the way, tomorrow night's going to be a night of releasing the joy of the Lord. I mean, there's some, something's going to happen tomorrow night. I'm mean, just, wow. Woo! Um, I, uh, I can't wait. <laughs> now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Say in believing. And it goes on to say that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're just like this hope abounder. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! I, I don't know how God's going to do it, but he's going to do it. It's, it's that Tigger thing. But if you want to boil Romans 15, 13 down to its essence, it's this. Now may the God of hope fill you in believing. The moment you believe truth, you start getting filled by the God of hope. I believe more truth. Increased hope is the evidence that the renewing of the mind is working. And increased hope is the evidence that the renewing of the mind is working. So I believe truth, believe truth, believe truth, believe more truth. Whoop, and then I guess all, gets all the way up to my eyes. Whoo, hey, I'm seeing the same thing differently. Hey, I'm not as bad as I thought I was. I have a few issues, but I think God can still use me. <laughs> hey, the people. Wow. Hey, I think there's even hope for them. <laughs> hey, my country. Oh, maybe everything on the news. Maybe the news isn't the final report. Maybe, maybe there's a higher report. Ha <laughs> there is. So my hope levels the indicator of whether I'm believing lies or truth. My, my hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. My hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. Why don't you say that with me? My hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. Say it again. My hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. Now that changes everything. That breaks all victim mentalities off our lives. My hopelessness about my finances is a bigger problem than anything going on in my finances. doesn't mean I'm not doing other things, learning how to be a good steward, giving, whatever. But the greatest thing I need to do is believe something different. Because unless I go after it, see, the wineskin, God wants, woo, he wants to bless so I can bless. And, you know, if I don't change what I believe, my wineskin is probably not going to get upgraded. There's a lie I'm believing that's creating that hopelessness. I got to find out what it is. Lord, show me the lie that I'm believing. He, he loves that prayer. He gets excited. We say, what's the lie? Oh, Holy Spirit, he'll tell you. 
You may not know instantly, but he'll tell you. My hopelessness about the relationship problem or about a relationship is a bigger problem than what's going on in that relationship. My hopelessness about my nation is a bigger problem than anything going on in my nation. Unless I don't believe who God says I am. How many of you know we're not the tail, we're the head? How many of you know the, the keys of the kingdom aren't in the government's hand, they're in the church's hand? Jesus didn't say, uh, you know, I've got the keys and I'm going to give them to the king or whoever's president. Ha <laughs> uh-huh. I don't discount the need, you know, for righteousness in government, but the, the greatest thing that is needed is the church to actually rise up. Here's some good news. You like it? Concerning our country and, and having hope for it. I don't know if we can handle any more good news tonight, Wendy. <laughs> In Isaiah 61, 60, verse 1, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the, but the Lord rises upon you. And his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And I used to read that and I would focus on just, oh no, deep darkness is covering the people or our country. And God said, what are you upset about? This is your opportunity. It's hard to shine really brightly during the day. And what's furthermore is he said, Although I want my people to vote, you know, according to, you know, what they hear from the Lord, he said, in reality, it doesn't matter who gets elected to be president, because if my people will arise and shine, kings will come to their rising. Presidents will come to their rising. Wow. The nation's future isn't on the next president. It's on whether we as a people will actually begin to rise and shine and allow the Holy Spirit to be seen on us. But it it takes a whole different mindset. We have to get out of the old woe is me, I'm not worthy, um, all that stuff that just keeps you sitting in a pew and never rising to shine. And, you know, it, it's hard to shift from, you know, the old. But one of the things that helped me, because I really struggled with calling myself righteous, even though the scripture says we're the righteousness of Christ. I don't know if anyone else ever had that problem, but it was like, well, there was even a song back in the 70s that, you know, was quoting that scripture, and I would kind of mumble along with it because I didn't want to say that I was righteous. And uh, finally, God said, well, Wendy, do you have a problem calling a sinner a sinner when he does a righteous act? And I'm like, no. You know, if he's never accepted Jesus as Savior, he can do all the righteous acts he wants, but he can't become righteous. And he said, well, you can't have it both ways. If a sinner cannot become righteous with a righteous act, then you cannot become a sinner by sinning. You're just a righteous person sinning. 
It doesn't mean that sin is okay. It just means it doesn't change your DNA. Wow. That's a good word. It's who you are. (laughs) And he said, Wendy, your problem is, is that you have more faith in Adam's ability to make you a sinner than Jesus' ability to make you righteous. And that's where the transformation starts coming, when we start coming into agreement with who God says we are. Because you can't consistently do what you don't believe you are. You will oppose yourself. You know, I think a lot of people get saved, and the reason they fall away is because they're trying to act like a Christian without believing they are. You know, and if you're trying to act righteous when you don't believe you are righteous, it's called acting. And that's really hard work. (laughs) We actually have to believe it's in us to do. And things just begin to happen when we come into alignment with that truth. Mm, Somebody say, wow. Let's close with this. Did I already tell you what I'm sensing for tomorrow night? I did? Tomorrow night. Want to hear again? Yeah, here's what I'm hearing about tomorrow night. <laughs> I'm hearing it's going to be the best meeting yet. Of all time. That's what I'm hearing. You know why I believe that? It's because we serve a God who moves from glory to glory. There's more glory available tomorrow than there is here today. So I'm attaching my faith to the greater glory. Well, I'll close with this. A testimony. We had an intern a few years ago. His name's Levi. I'd love to share the gospel with people personally. But if someone would say they're an atheist, then he would move into non-victorious belief systems. He would move into feelings that were negative, and he would believe his feelings and past experience that he was ineffective in ministering to atheists. That was his belief system. But he decided he knew that was a lie because he didn't have hope to reach atheists. So he decided to believe something different. The renewing of the mind doesn't happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen by reading the Bible necessarily or by sitting in church. It happens when we say, I'm not believing that anymore. I'm believing this. I'm not going to believe anymore. I'm only saved when I feel saved. I'm going to believe I'm saved all the time. Not going to believe anymore that I'm only anointed when I feel anointed. I'm going to believe I'm anointed all the time. He he said, I'm no longer going to believe I'm ineffective with atheists. I'm going to believe every time I'm around an atheist, God always shows up. That's what I'm going to do. He decided to believe it. And he got it in his mouth. He started making declarations. God always shows up when I'm around an atheist. By the way, we don't make declarations to convince other people. We make them to convince ourselves. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm trying to convince me. So he, 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 he said it started to work. He was starting to get freedom on the inside. His hope level was starting to rise. Maybe I can reach atheists. He's in the UK a few years ago. Sees a group of about 10 to 15 teenagers in a park. Says something like this. Hi, I'm from America. I've got some really good news. 
Jesus Christ loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. There was a girl who stepped forward and she said this, I'm an atheist. Let's just laugh at that, by the way. <laughs> and Levi said, oh, really? That's so exciting. Because God always shows up when I'm around an atheist. <laughs> He's talking to them for a while. And he asked them, do any of you want to feel God? And they said, yes. So he said, put your hands out in front of you like this and say, Holy Spirit, come. <laughs> Guess what Holy Spirit did? You give Holy Spirit an inch, he takes a mile. <laughs> Holy Spirit came. Atheist girl's got tears coming down her eyes. She's, she's, she's weeping. And the whole group prayed to receive Jesus in their heart. A whole, a whole other group of teenagers got led to the Lord that day in the park. And I talked to a pastor from that city a couple months later, and he said that day in the park rocked their school. All because somebody said, I'm going to believe something different. Said, yeah, I want, I want the new wine of God showing up when I'm around atheists. I'm not going to change what I believe after it happens. I'm going to change it before it happens. How many know that's called faith? You believe something and then you see it. I used to think, well, I, you know, I believe I can see it's true. Now I believe, yes, amen, I'm a man of faith. Lord says, you're not a man of faith. You're just a great man of fact. It's really noble of you, Steve, that you believe after you see it. We, we applaud that. That's really good. Yes, amen. Wait, yes, Steve, that's wonderful. No, faith. And, and here's the thing. Even tonight, I mean, we sense that there's great people in this room. Man, there's great people. I mean, the young people in this room, there's something on the young people in this room that's incredible. It's incredible. The heart that I see on you, the, the hunger, the, um, just the desire for the Lord, it, 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 it gets me. And, and, and I just, I see tonight that the Lord is upgrading wineskins. He's upgrading belief systems. He's upgrading how we see ourselves. He's upgrading how we see the people. He, he's upgrading how we see our nation. Because he, he, he has to do that because what he wants to pour out, the new wine on all of us, the new wine of experiencing his love, the new wine of, of greater favor, the new wine of more resources, the new wine uh, uh, of evangelism and souls, the new wine of power and miracles. He, he's, he's ready. He's not holding it back. He's not saying, well, I'm just only going to give the people of still water, just a, a little trickle of my river. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. 
I just want to throw in there too, you know, <laughs> one of the mistakes I made was that whenever things weren't working out, my first question was always, what am I doing wrong? You know, so if I was witnessing to atheists and nothing was ever happening, my first instinct is, what am I doing wrong? Do I need to take another class on witnessing? What do I need to do? And God's been saying, you know, the first question shouldn't be, what am I doing wrong? But what am I believing while I do it? Yep. That's good. Because faith is the power behind our action. And a lot of times we, our faith is opposing our action. We witness to an atheist believing nothing will happen. And so this whole journey of, okay, yeah, it's not bad to go take a class on witnessing, but if you're going to learn how to do it, we also need to focus on what do I believe. It's so crucial because faith is the power. Mm. And, you know, we've decided, too, that, you know, faith without hope is weird. <laughs> you know, have you ever met people with faith but no hope? It's like, What? So you guys received the word tonight? Yep. Amen. Why don't you say this? Say, I I receive it. I'll never be the same again. Something happened in me tonight. It's going to increase. And it's going to bear much fruit. It's going to influence nations. I'm a key player in worldwide revival. I'm important in what God's doing. My best days are ahead. I'm a person of hope. I'm a person with a wineskin upgrade. God's pouring out the new wine on me. The new wine of favor. The new wine of greater resources. The new wine of greater power. And the new wine of greater influence. It's happening. It's increasing. And I'm glad. Amen. Give God thanks. Give Him praise. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. Yes, Lord. Yeah, why don't you stand? Just, just give a shout to the Lord tonight. Thank you, Father. Yeah. Ha, ha. You can be seated just for a few more moments, and then we'll work with CJ on what we're supposed to do. Ha, ha. Ha, ha. We've got um, a bunch of resources out there. Um, I do on Igniting Hope Ministries Instagram and Igniting Hope Facebook a 60-second hope injection, video injection every day. I filmed today's. Where was I? Actually, I filmed today with your, one of your church vans in the background. (laughs) So if you want to find that, Go to Igniting Hope on Instagram or Facebook, and you'll see I gave a 60-second message 
from Stillwater. Yes. And I was fired up about that message. Felt a fresh anointing here. Um, we've got a, a many resources and books. The latest book I wrote, it just came out. It's called The Culture of Empowerment, How to Champion People. And it takes um, Bill Johnson's quote, my goal is not to build a big church, but to build big people. It takes that quote, and it's the opposite of a culture of control. A culture of control and leadership uses fear, guilt, manipulation, and you're a bad Christian language to try to get people to do things. <laughs> How many know God's got a higher way? A culture of empowerment creates an environment where people can thrive, where people become what they never thought they could be. And so it's a, it, this is not only for church leaders, business leaders, parents, uh, some of the chapters, what is empowerment, empowering beliefs, how to empower yourself, being an empowering person, what is empowering language, uh, establishing a culture of empowerment, choosing who to empower and when, increasing the likelihood uh, of, of being empowered. And I want to give this to you right there. And what's your name, by the way? Adam? Yeah, Adam, you're, you're a great leader. That's what I hear over you. I hear that over you. You're a great leader. And there's a coming out part. Is this your wife or is this? Yeah, what's your name? Laura. Yeah, there's a coming out party for you two. And, and just your history, your history with God and even the difficult things are all merging together into this ministry of influence. And I see, I see breakthrough. I see hunger. I see um, you're going you're gonna to do things you never thought you could do. So bless you. Yay. This is a book called Cracks in the Foundation, uh, Reforming Our Thinking to Accelerate Revival. Jesus said in uh, Mark 7.13, he said, your traditions have made the word of God of no effect. Basically what he said, the things that you, your religious beliefs have blocked my true purpose. And this takes, it's 43 things that either scripture verses or Christian sayings that have a measure of truth in them, but are uh, often misunderstood or misapplied that create a crack in people's foundations. And for instance, like the phrase of Job, Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. How many know that's in the Bible, but many people's interpretation of that verse creates a major crack in their foundation. Because if we believe that, that Job's experience and be our experience in the new covenant, uh, that I would believe is based on a total tradition of men that will block faith in our lives and block the goodness of God in our hearts. So that's one of them. And we've got many others. This is, for, this is a book that will help people who maybe are new into a kingdom culture of revival, of healing, of, of prophetic, and that this would be a great book. Uh, anybody's uh, birthday today? No birthday today. So, sir, I'm going to give it to you, Spartan man. <laughs> and what's your name, by the way? 
Gabriel, yeah. Hey, Gabriel, um, I hear this, that you're, you know, like the angel Gabriel, you're a voice, you're a messenger. And, and I see the Lord, just he's combined a great brain with you and with, 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 with a heart for people. And the combination of that is incredible. And, and I see the Lord just merging um, your, your, your intelligence with your love and hearing the sound of what God's saying now and releasing a now word over, the, over this generation and beyond. And so bless you. Thank you for who you are. We got some things, some download cards out there for my generation. These, these are scary. <laughs> these are scary. Yeah, these are not the CDs, audio messages there. You know, you actually got to go online and put a code in and it gets downloaded in your computer. You can put it on your phone. Uh, it actually really works. And this has six messages on it. The power of joy, the power of beliefs, the power of declarations, the power of hope, uh, the, the power of a transformed life, and, and the last message is no limits, a lifestyle of relentless mind renewal. Uh, this is something that just, if you just really, uh, people have listened to this over and over and over again. And so this is a powerful one. Let me just give it to you right here. Yeah. What's your name? Mia. Yeah, Mia. You, you're a, you have a great heart for the Lord, a great heart. I just felt your heart just as, as I was ministering. And, and I just see the Lord, uh, his hands on your life. And I see him really protecting you in the coming years, just with protection. And I see there's a very special, intimate place you're, you're having with Jesus and will have of just your prayer time. And I don't know where, where it's going to be, but I see a location. You know, maybe a closet, it may be a chair, it may be in the backyard, I don't know. But I see a location where you're going to meet with Jesus. And, and he's going to talk to you very personally. And, and, and it's just going to be, and there's going to be things you're going to hear that the Lord's going to say, don't tell anybody yet. Don't tell anybody about that yet. And the word's going to come alive to you in an incredible way, the Bible. And, and I see you standing up and speaking to others in front of people with a voice that's, that is really going to free a lot of people. So bless you. <laughs> You're hearing anything just for this church? I mean, I, yeah. What, what are you sensing just about New Covenant? I am. What I've been sensing just ever since we met you guys is just that this, what you're building in this region is just going to explode. You know how you don't know how big what you're a part of is while you're a part of it. You know, like the disciples, <laughs> you know, I'm sure they thought it was a big deal that Jesus was there, but they had no idea how big of a deal it was. And I feel like that's what God's doing in this region and what he's pouring out on people is that this is going to be a really powerful region, um, especially with um, spiritual authority and taking the, the ground and the promises of God. You know, it's just, it's huge. 
And I feel like God just wants you to know. I feel like there's some individuals here who God wants you to, to know that you are more than enough. And to stop listening to the negative voice in your head. Um, I don't know why he reminded me of this, but I used to have people tell me, you know, good things about me. But I would secretly think if they really knew me, they wouldn't think that. And God said, Wendy, I want you to stop trusting that voice in your head and start trusting what people see in you. He said, you have put your failures and inadequacies and you've magnified them in your eyes so you can't see. And so I feel like there's some, especially a few people who just need to hear that God said, you, you need to trust what people are seeing in you. You are more than capable of doing what they're asking you to do. You're well able to take the land. Don't listen to that negative voice that magnifies the negative. Begin to magnify the positive because whatever you focus on will grow. Awesome. I don't know if you want the prayer team to come up or whatever, but Pastor CJ, it's an honor to partner with you. Yes. Those of you ladies that Lisa's talked to ahead of time, her prayer team, um, you guys can come on up. And um, when we dismiss, those of you who would just want to receive more, just want to encourage you just to allow these ladies just to minister to you. And I want to encourage everyone, you know, there's, there's wonderful resources out on that table. And resources are very powerful. They're very important. I mean, they've impacted, just that one book has impacted me tremendously. And so I want to encourage you to take advantage of that. And also, um, please remember to sow into their ministry by blessing them. Uh, We have the offering box out there. You can give through the giving kiosk, cash, whatever. Uh, If you want to make a check out, make it out to New Covenant Fellowship, and we'll make sure every penny goes to Igniting Hope uh, Ministries. So let's all stand together. And I just want to encourage you before you go, if there's something in your heart, you're saying, Lord, I want whatever that is, I just want you to come up and allow these these ministers to just minister with you and just partner with you with what you're wanting the Lord to do, okay? And come out tomorrow. And don't come by yourself tomorrow. Bring somebody. Bring somebody with you so they can be rocked, so their, their, their direction can be changed. They can be encouraged. Amen? So, Lord, we thank you that you're doing a wonderful thing in our lives, our hearts, and our thinking. We thank you that we are receiving that upgrade of our thoughts being changed, our belief systems being changed. We're choosing to agree with what you say, Father, in your word. And, Lord, to know what you said, we have to read it. And so, Lord, I thank you for grace Another level of grace coming on our hearts where we begin to hunger for your word again. And we'll just devour your word and just read that love letter that you've written to us. I thank you, Father, for the words, the individual words that have been spoken over the different ones tonight. And and we just say yes and amen. And we agree with what you said over your sons and daughters. And we say amen to that. And Lord, we speak your blessing on everyone here. 
that they will go home and have a nice, refreshing sleep tonight and wake up refreshed tomorrow and have an amazing day with you at work, at school, at home, wherever they are. We give you honor and praise, and we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow night. Thank you.